everyone. Welcome to the September 2020 Mark Leverage podcast. Fabulous to have you listening as ever. So COVID-19 doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. The implications of, of the pandemic are still being felt by all of us, particularly in the entertainment industry, even though things have loosened up a bit. Since I did the last podcast in the last month, I've done a couple of shows, first since March, in fact. One was in a hotel. And what was interesting about that was this is a hotel that has magicians every week. And I'm not the resident magician, but the, the normal resident magician couldn't make it. So the agent put me in instead. And what I noted was that the none of the staff and none of the guests were wearing masks. The only social distancing that I saw was that the tables perhaps were slightly further apart than they would normally be. There weren't actually that many guests seen. In any case, only about 40 which over a couple of hours was a very easy gig in many ways. But uh, it was interesting to me that the only thing the agent said to me was that he thought it might be best if I didn't get any of the spectators to handle any of my props by taking cards and things like that, which I wouldn't have thought was unreasonable to suggest in any case, and I was going to do nonetheless. But apart from that, it felt totally normal. Everybody was very relaxed, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the other show was, was uh, a 45-minute close-up show for a family of six people who had come down from Essex down to the West Country for a week's stay in a cottage. And they booked me to go and do some close-up magic for them. And again, they were extremely relaxed about it all. And it was great fun. And it, I have to say, it was lovely to perform again, having not performed for a while. It was so nice to be able to, to get back into it and to, to do the stuff that, of course, we all love doing once we get the chance. I was talking to a friend of mine about this and telling him about the shows that I, I've just talked about now. Uh, and he made an interesting point. And he said he wondered whether with social distancing rules... Uh, and these rules, although they are gradually being relaxed, they are presumably going to be here for some while, particularly in terms of the number of people who can collect together inside, for instance. What that was going to mean for the size of bookings that we would get and therefore the, the size of the fees that we could command for doing close up. And it's an interesting thought. You think about a wedding. If somebody is having, say, 150 people to a, a nice big wedding well, then the fee that you can charge for entertaining all those people is going to be higher than if somebody's having a wedding with six people. You know, it's there's a huge, huge chasm of a difference here. And if um, the numbers of people that are allowed to attend are not relaxed, or if they're relaxed, but then they get put back on again, we could find ourselves as magicians in a situation where we're only getting to quote for very small events. And if we're getting only those opportunities coming our way, then presumably we're not going to be able to charge the big fees or the bigger fees that we would normally charge for larger events. I mean, it may well be that this is going to be a temporary thing and that by the time we get into next year, if there's not a sudden lockdown situation created nationally again, then numbers of people who are allowed to meet will increase and the situation won't particularly arise. Already inquiries are coming in for, for weddings and bookings for next year and the year beyond. And clearly people are not taking that too much into consideration. The sort of numbers that they're quoting are normal numbers that you'd expect for bookings like this. 
So it's clear that perhaps the general public don't anticipate that numbers are going to remain restricted in the long term. But certainly, if they were to be, then it would be an interesting thing that we'd have to sort of work out, wouldn't we? Would there be a new going rate? Oh, well, the rate that we're currently charging for, say, 100 people will have to become the rate that we charge for 10 people. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it could mean that if that was the case, that we may get less bookings because some people would say, well, there's only 10 of us. And he's charging all that lot. And it would seem expensive compared to perhaps what people would expect to pay for a small number of people. Anyway, let's hope that the relaxation of the various restrictions continue to go on and that eventually we can get back to some decent numbers at the events that we do do. Dave Jones is a well-known magician from the Midlands. And um, because I don't do social media, really, uh, I missed his epic rant on Facebook last month, although I have since, by a friend of mine, been pointed in its direction. And having read it, I just can't resist the temptation to uh, mention it and to make a comment about it. Basically, Dave went off on one about the modern sort of contemporary magic scene, which, in his opinion, is filled with um, ignorant young magicians who can't even speak the English language properly, let alone do magic, and who wouldn't know a really great classic trick if it hit them in the face saying, I am a great classic trick. And his his rant was all about this. And in one way, Dave's probably about the same age as me, I guess, I don't know. And you get when you get to this particular age, it's very easy to become extremely cynical about just about everything, actually. And you become the archetypal grumpy old man. There's something rather, rather, rather um, nice about being able to vent about things. And with me and my friends of similar age, we all have a lot of fun in being grumpy old men about all sorts of things, particularly about magic, of course, which is the thing we know most about. But, uh, of course, what he's done is he's posted it on Facebook, and um, which is quite a public forum, and he's been pretty rude about uh, young magicians and, uh, and about the magic scene generally. Now, I, I have to say, I do understand why he's done this and where he's coming from, because as a, one of the magic scene reviewers, we get to see a lot of the, the marketed magic these days, and it has to be said that a lot of it should never have been released to the, the magic public. And yet it has been. And it, the fact that it has been would indicate, unless all these things are being dead, deadly flops, which I very much doubt, it means that there are people who find value in the sort of things that Dave is ranting on about. He, he feels that people should go back and, and should study um, the classics of magic. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. But the fact of the matter is we're, we're not necessarily in that world. Um, a lot of people coming into magic these days, they don't start with basics, with perhaps classic books teaching them slights and skills or watching DVDs or going online and getting the bricks that will allow them to build some sort of a, a skill set. They go straight in at the tricks. And of course, magic dealers being magic dealers, if there's a market for something, they will naturally fill it with products that sell, whether it has any value or whether it doesn't. 
So I do understand where Dave is coming from. However, it has to be said that it is a bit of a generalisation to make the assumption that no young person can put two words together and make a sentence correctly and that they don't know any of the classic tricks and that they are all heathens when it comes to magic. I think that's a dangerous thing to make. I know of several young magicians who are extremely skillful, who work unbelievably hard at what they do and who deserve the success that that they get as a result of that. Obviously, a lot of these people are not necessarily uh, just hobbyists. And it's a lot of the hobbyists that possibly Dave is getting annoyed with because he feels that they're, they're not taking it seriously. But the trouble is, it is, when you think about it, just a hobby for most people. It's just a bit of fun. And although us professional magicians sometimes despair at some of the things that we see being bought and marketed and that are touted as being fantastic modern magic well okay we we may not think that it is but there are others who do and so therefore these things do perhaps have a purpose they have a value they satisfy the niche that is created by people who'd want something superficial and quick and easy to impress their friends and family and these people are perhaps completely separate and are never going to be part of the group who take magic more, perhaps more seriously, who maybe want to do a semi-professional, professional career in it, or who really are interested in studying the history and studying what's come before and learning something that, it, that we, as older people, would consider to be worthwhile. If you haven't seen Dave, um, Dave's rant, then you, you really ought to go and read it because uh, it, it is quite... It's quite amusing on one level, and you but you can sense his frustration in another. And uh, if you are of a similar age to us, then maybe you feel the same things that he does too. When you're a patter act, whether it's a stand-up or parlour act, or whether it's a, you're a close-up magician, obviously what you say is really, really important. In fact, presentation-based on or around a patter theme can be key to making the magic that we patteracts do, uh, making it worth watching, making it fun, making it interesting, making it indeed to a certain extent magical. But there's something about patteracts, and and I know I have definitely fallen foul of this on many occasions in the past, that sometimes we forget that not saying anything at all can be as effective in terms of pointing up the end of a magical trick and the Im- and creating an impact for it as it is if you keep on speaking. In fact, if you talk across the big finish to a trick, then you can actually diffuse, distract and diminish the impact of that trick just simply because you didn't basically stop talking. I think the problem is that when we get excited, when we're performers who are bursting with adrenaline, we we tend to talk 90 to the dozen, talk really, really fast, making little asides to, if you're in close-up, to people who are sitting or standing very close to you. It's, there's a very uh, quick repartee going on. And sometimes it's easy to forget that the, the actual magic that you're doing while you're doing all this talk is also going on. And if you don't want to reduce the the magic itself to simply a, a, a sort of byproduct of the patter, in other words, if you want it to be impressive in itself, sometimes you have to stop talking. 
So it's difficult to do, however, because I think if you're doing a trick and you're with a group and you're perhaps slightly anxious that they're not going to react particularly strongly to the trick that you're doing, then the temptation to, as you do the da-da moment, to make a joke or an aside or in some way to keep on just pattering over the ending of the trick because you're afraid they're not going to react is actually going to diminish the effect in the first place. It's a bit like comedians. Good comedians are able to 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 pause and let, they have the confidence to let the audience react to what they've just said. Nervous comedians or those with less experience sometimes jump into the next joke before they've given an audience the time to respond to the last one. Good comedians get audiences on a roll, don't they? You know, they, one gag leads to the another, leads to another. But it's not just a, a staccato thing. It's that there is a rhythm and ex, an experienced presenter and entertainer knows how to leave small gaps so that the audience can react, respond, and then you hit them with the next one. And I think the same is true with magic. We need to sometimes realise that if the magic is strong enough, and not all magic has a, a tremendous, amazing moment at the end. Sometimes an explanation, say with a mental effect, you need to explain the impossibility of what you're just currently revealing. And I can see that under those circumstances, you do have to talk over the end because it's the talk that actually does increase the value of the impact of the trick. But if, say, I don't know, flying ring or something... If you reach into your pocket and you bring out the key case and you shake out the keys to show that the the, the spectator's ring is hanging on, just check, chucking them out of the case and standing there and letting them see it is probably more effective than opening the keys. And now on the inside of the key case, as you can see, is a ring, not just any ring. It's actually your ring. You can see that it's your you know, talking over this magical moment has reduced the impact of that from something very impressive down to maybe something that's even slightly confusing for lay people and i know i've been told off by friends of mine magic friends of mine in the past for doing this mark stop talking you're, you're talking over the ending again and i do do this and i've tried to train myself a bit more if there is a big moment in a trick to stop talking and let the spectators react so that they get the maximum impact for the magic that i'm trying to do Now, those of you who know anything at all about Mark Leverage Magic will know that at the core of everything I do is my online club, eClub Pro. It's where all or nearly all of my creativity is funneled these days. And the amount of material that is available to members of eClub Pro and eClub Pro Elite is huge. It's There's nearly 10 years worth of material just waiting for people to access when they become members. And I'm really proud of it. it I, mean, I think it is a fantastic resource. And what's great about it, I think, is that there is a tremendous amount of variety in it. It's not all card tricks. You know, there's, there's everything from close-up, both close-up show-type material to strolling and table-hopping stuff, the stand-up stuff, mentalism, children's things, that there is a big variety. So apart from Big Illusions, which I have no experience with and I don't do at all, 
there's pretty much everything else is represented to a greater or lesser extent in the material that's presented to people. And as well as that, um, all, all e-club members get 50% um, of any purchase that they make with Mark Leverage Magic. So that's in itself is uh, probably justifies the £10 a month e-club pro membership fee. But it's um, I think it's the, the, the value of the help and the advice that's there, even if you only take magic to a very what you might consider to be a relatively low level. It's just a hobby. It's just a pastime. You'll find masses to in, to intrigue you, and it's updated every month. There's always something new as well. But if you're a full-time pro or or want to go that way, or you're a semi-pro looking for 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 more information, that there is loads there to help you as well. So it's 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 very broad in its in its range and in its appeal. Now. At the moment, I have an offer on for anybody who joins before the 30th of September. And I thought I'd just mention it because it's at the start of a... Traditionally, September is kind of like the start of a new magical year, isn't it? So if you're going to make a New Year's... Not a New Year's Eve, but a new magic year resolution, maybe it would be to try eClub Pro. And to encourage you to do that, I've got this offer in at the moment where if you join in September... Then in the first month that you join, I will send you Tube of Wonder, which is worth £7. You'll be able to download that routine where a ball is placed on the inverted wine glass covered with a tube and you lift up the tube and the ball is now underneath the inverted glass. In the second month, I'll send you another gift. This time it's my latest ebook, Keeping Control. This is a, an ebook that is all about how to control all the elements of your um, show performance, getting ready, traveling to the venue, everything to do with a show. How if you control all the various elements of it, then you will do a better show when you get to it. And in the third month of membership, I'll send. Oh, that was worth £10, by the way. And in the third month of membership, I'll send you the Coin and Purse Collection ebook. This is a collection of six coin and purse routines, all different, all very varied magic. Comes as an ebook, and uh, virtually no gimmicks. I think for one of them you need you need an expanded shell, but most of the time they're just coins and and purses that are required, and uh, that's worth twenty pounds. And you'll receive that three free in your third month of membership too. So even if you only stay for three months. You're already doing well out of the deal because you'll, you'll be getting gifts worth um, £37. But I'd like to think that, um, apart from the gifts, that you would be interested in finding out what eCar Pro has to offer. It does have an awful lot. And I know I would say that, wouldn't I? But it really does. And I would love to think that there's a few of you listening out there who think, do you know what? Come on then, Mark. I'll give it a go. There's no set subscription period, so you're not locked in for a year or anything like that, or two years or whatever. You can stay as long as you like. And payment is by a rolling PayPal regular automated payment, which you can cancel anytime you like. So come on, make it your new Magic Year's resolution to join eClub, either eClub Pro or eClub Elite, and see what all the fuss is about. There's um, a small village called Topsham, which is situated just outside the city of Exeter, where I live. And it's a very, a very nice place to live. 
a lot of expensive houses there quite an upmarket little place and when um, the covid first came in of course all entertainment of, of all sorts stopped and there was a lady who lives in Topsham and who was happened to be speaking to my wife about something else and she mentioned that she had decided that she wanted to try and get a bit of entertainment going again now of course naturally enough she couldn't very easily put on an event indoors because of the restrictions on numbers so instead she thought well perhaps we can get some some entertainment going on out in the street so she made some inquiries with the local authorities and there were certain things that she wasn't allowed to do but basically they were in favor favor of it they thought it'd be nice for people who are going out shopping to be cheered up if you like a bit by some entertainment in the street well when my wife heard this she said oh well actually my husband's a magician perhaps you want to talk to him anyway it turned out this woman knew me she'd seen me do one or two shows in the area she said oh yes yes i know mark i've seen him so my wife came home and said oh you, you should give her a ring so i did so i rang the woman and on the face of it strolling magic seemed like a good idea she said oh the pitch that we use if you like is just outside topsham church there's an area just there and uh, and i was saying to her, oh okay so how are people going to are they coming in for something uh, into the church or are they and it turned out that essentially what she'd been doing is she'd been getting musicians almost exclusively musicians they were not actually on the sort of like the forecourt of the church but they were just outside it on the path and they were simply playing some music as people walked past now one of the provisos that the local authority had made was that um, the entertainers were not allowed to create a crowd they weren't allowed to block the pathway to force people into the road as that wasn't safe and they weren't allowed to to get too close because of social distancing so they had to be the, at least a minimum of two meters and they didn't really want people to stop they said it's fine if people are just walking past rather like you know a musicians bus and people walk past that's fine but actually stopping people and doing a, a kind of a show to a group wasn't really what they wanted and of course for me I'm, I'm not a i'm not a busking magician i'm not a street magician at all so the more i heard about this the more i thought that this isn't going to work for me because my the sort of magic that i do i can do it at two meters distance but it's magic tends to be certainly the way i do it, it's very interactive you think about magicians you do see on the street they spend a long time gathering a crowd don't they before they actually get to their act because they they put the hat out and they they want to make some income and they can't do that with a small crowd now i wasn't trying to earn any money at this my thought was just it'd be nice to get out and do some magic uh, and, and maybe you know give some pleasure to some people but if they are not allowed to stop then i suddenly realized that actually this isn't going to work and the more the two of the lady and i talked about it she in the end she said no, it's, it's really not quite going to work this is it? i said no i don't think it is certainly not for me i said there may be another magician who has a different way of approaching it i said but certainly for me i want to interact with people that's what i'm used to that's what i'm good at i think and i would like to be able to people to stop otherwise it's i'm just going to be standing there juggling stuff and and it, it's it's not going to mean anything magical very much at all and so in the end we we decided just to leave it 
But it was interesting because at the beginning, I thought that this was going to be fine. I could see this working really well. If people coming in, maybe they were sitting outside at tables having having a coffee in the sort of forecourt of the church and I could thought oh that'd be great and I can go from table to table and do what I normally do and it'll be an informal outdoor form of entertainment but of course that wasn't the reality of what it was at all this is flyby almost um, magic where where people couldn't stop they just had to walk so in the end um, it didn't happen but as far as I know the music is still going on and I applaud her for actually getting off our backside and trying to do something to not only help entertainers, but also to give the local population something interesting to see when they go into the village. When an orchestra is going to do a concert, all the members of the orchestra, they turn up and they get their instruments out and they start to tune them, and don't they? And they, they practice various elements to get themselves kind of warmed up. And singers do the same thing. The top singers will will practice vocal chords. They'll practice their breathing, getting their breathing right. Even you know, rock groups and other bands set up all their equipment and they'll spend some time strumming and doing various chords and doing little bits of the songs that they're going to do, making sure it sounds right, adjusting things, fine-tuning the, the sound to make sure it's going to be perfect for the venue. And stage magic acts, if they get the opportunity, they will go onto the stage in advance, they'll have a band call, and they will make sure that everything looks right, get their bearings about where they are, maybe even run through one or two things if special lighting and sound is required. They'll run through the queues with the tech crews. And what do close-up magicians do? They open the door, they stroll in, they take out a deck of cards and they start. Hmm. I wonder if that's a mistake... I know that what we do as close-up magicians is not as technically difficult most of the time. It can be, but not always technically difficult as concert pianists and the skill levels that they require. But it is fairly amazing that most of us don't do any sort of warm-up at all, do we? I know some people fiddle with things. You know, you'll get some people waiting, some close-up magicians. When I've worked in groups with three or four other magicians at big events, and we're all waiting to go on, I know some magicians will get a pack of cards and endlessly fiddling with it. And I suppose they could say, well, that, that's me warming up. Actually, I don't think it is, because what that really is is just a nervous fidgeting with a pack of cards. It's not a controlled, precise practice of certain moves or anything like that I don't think most of the time it's not I think it's just fiddling but in a way perhaps we should kind of warm up because if you do a lot of shows maybe it's not quite so necessary but like now where there's been a big gap it's amazing how things that used to be totally automatic after a few months when you go back to them they're not quite as automatic as they used to be you have to kind of pull this stuff from the recesses of your mind back to the front of your mind so you can, oh, yes, that's what I do, or that's what I say at this point. And with no practice or rehearsal just immediately before you go on, it means that during the performance you're trying to drag the memories of what you do at any given point in a trick to the forefront of your mind so that you can do it. If the automatic pilot of what you say and what you do doesn't kick in because you haven't done it for a while then you know you haven't warmed up so it's more difficult but i think there's a there's also something to be said for getting your your mind and your head in the right place before you start and this is something that that i do quite a lot 
when I'm driving to a venue, if I've got quite a drive, I might have the radio on. And maybe, like, let's say I'm listening to a football match or something. And you get all involved in listening to the football match. Well, when I get within, say, 20 minutes, half an hour maybe, of the venue, I will turn off music or the football or whatever and start to think about the show that's coming up. Trying to get my head, trying to visualise what I'm going to say at the start, what I'm going to do. Reminding myself of lines, patter lines. Thinking about perhaps some little tweaks that I've decided to try tonight. So really starting to concentrate and zone in on the magic itself rather than letting my brain be distracted by all manner of other other things that aren't going to have any relevance to me when I walk into the venue. And I find that if I do this, when I go into the venue, although I open the door and walk in and take out a pack of cards and start, I have actually done some rehearsal. I've done some mental rehearsal. And I find that by doing that mental rehearsal, I, my mind's in the right place and my whole attitude feels correct for, for, for performing. I'm in now, very quickly, performance mode, which otherwise I might not be. So if you don't do any mental preparation when you go to do a show, why don't you try it? Don't, don't listen to the radio right up to the moment you walk into the venue. Try turning it off and concentrating and thinking about what you're going to do and see whether you feel that makes any difference to the way you perform once you get going. Well, there we are. That's another podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for spending the last half an hour listening to me. It's been a pleasure to have you along. Don't forget what I said about eClub Pro. You've got the September to join up to get all those free gifts and to see what eClub Pro is all about. I'd love to think that some of you might do that this month. And in the meantime, have a good month and I will see you in October. <laughs>